Welcome to the Life Self Mastery Podcast, where we bring in entrepreneurs who have created online businesses and improved their lifestyles. Here's your host, Rohit Malhotra. Hi everyone, this is uh, Rohit from Life Self Mastery, and I'm excited to have Rob Dominic, who's the founder of Further, which is a venture capital fund investment platform building high quality venture capital funds to more investors. Rob was earlier the founder of Main Stage in 2011 which was a travel and events platform for third-party travel and events products. Uh, Rob has done his bachelor's from the University of Manchester. Welcome to the show, Rob. Hey, Rohit. How's it going? Great. Uh, you know, you have an interesting journey. You, uh, you started off with, uh, uh, you know, uh, a main stage, and now you're building further. Uh, what caught you into, into this crazy world of startups? Yeah, so I was, um, you know, as you say, I was running, running main stage, and um, I... I uh, I enjoyed I enjoyed doing that over over my twenties. It was a great it was a great company festivals, but I I think I I turned into a bit of a nerd towards the back end of my twenties and went back to my economics background and and uh, just absolutely fell in love with the startup economy and the venture capital ecosystem. Like it, it just um, just just seeing all the really exciting companies that were coming out of the space and essentially seeing that as driving driving economic growth in the country driving. Um, driving change, driving productivity, and it's it's an area that I I really wanted to get involved in. Um, so we main stage had, had taken on some some VC backing, and I was at that time I I done a secondary as part of that, and I was also looking at ways that I could invest. And so it was mid twenty tens, all the peer to peer loan platforms or other democratized finance such as nutmeg democratizing financial advice or property partner democratizing property investment um and yeah peer-to-peer as i say democratizing debt but i really wanted to invest in early stage and I, I saw crowdfunding but i thought that the quality was just terrible um you the, it had like um yeah it had asymmetric selection. You know, you had you, you had generally the companies that couldn't get VC funding going right. on there, and when they did raise funds, did raise funds on there, you weren't able to actually properly due diligence them because they gave a flashy pitch deck and a nice video, but no actual solid, solid hard numbers. And that's what that's what I wanted to see. I wanted to be able to if I'm going to put a few thousand pounds something, I want to be able to properly due diligence it. Um, and so seeing that that wasn't the way to invest in startups. I wanted to find the way to the, the, what was the way to invest in startups, and I looked at the VC fund that invested had invested in Mainstage and and the numerous other funds out there, and there was no way of accessing them. Every other corner of finance had been opened up to to all investors, um, except for except for venture capital, and, and that's what that's what we started to to, to look at doing. I, I say we because around that time I contacted my um, my old uni friend Seb who was a VC investor at Triple Point. And we've been starting to attack the problem together. So we started looking at all the different regulatory challenges and where the, what was possible to be marketed to, to whom and which funds we should be going for, what, what other challenges the funds had on their side. And they've got a lot of challenges on, on software, on reporting, um, and on and on investor management, a lot of those are things that prevent them from from um, from reducing their minimums. And and so we and then we started about solving them. And that was twenty twenty. Um, and uh, yeah, we 
fast forward to now and we've um we've we've launched further further's now the platform where many more investors can access venture capital from reduced minimums and that's facilitated by the software and the um, the process assistance that that we deliver to the funds interesting and you know you you made a interesting point about the crowdfunding platform i've i've invested into republic which is a popular crowdfunding platform uh, in the in the us and uh, and i agree that the uh, that the quality of 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 the startups are not always great but how 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 can a retail investor invest into funds uh, does uh, uh, does the investment committee you know allow uh, retail investors also to invest into into tech startups uh, and also into funds how, how, or do we have to walk through any you know any of these uh, uh, criteria in order to ensure that you know father is able to invest into uh, let the retail investors invest into into these funds yeah so it is quite interesting because you think that automatically if a, if an investor can invest into an individual funds sorry an individual company then they would definitely be able to invest into a venture capital fund because that's diversified it's managed it's much more hands off and and it requires less um le- less less expert attention but there's um there's actually only two funds two fund types that all investor types when i say all investor types mean restricted sophisticated high net worth they all need to go through a classification but the vast majority of people can um, can classify as those there's only two fund types that can that, that all those investors can can access and that's EIS and VCT funds and LP funds are still only accessible by sophisticated and high net worth investors um but yeah and there's a few other different restrictions like you can't go lower than 2000 pounds um for a for a VC fund investment um sorry a EIS fund investment um but yeah it's a uh, it's ge- generally um gen- generally more more possible in the UK than anywhere else which is great it's one one uh, one great aspect we've got about our financial system is that in, in some in some places it it does really foster competition and in this way it enables enables a vast vast array of investors to invest into venture capital interesting and uh, especially when it comes to eis you know uh, funds uh are are other retail investors uh, are they supposed to get capital gains on on the investments that make that they make and you know what what's the benefit for them if they invest uh, in, into into startups and funds yeah so eis funds is a it's a tax advantage structure in the uk that's only accessible by individual investors so that's to say if you're a pension fund you and you can't get the tax benefits by investing in an eis fund and in a in a lot of circumstances EIS funds will invest into the same deals at same prices as as a normal LP fund. So in those situations just any advantage on top of a standard investment is a real advantage to the to the retail investor. And um so they get they get they can claim up to 30% of their um 30% of their investment back um as income tax relief. So if they you know they pay £20,000 income tax over the year then hypothetically they could claim up to up to that amount in EIS relief based on investing in a um in a number of startups they also can offset any losses against tax so if they've if one of the startups within the fund fails then 
the amount of their money that's gone into that startup can be claimed back um, claimed back against tax and um, not the entire amount, but just the pro rata tax amount and all the investments are capital gains, capital gains tax free. So there are serious, serious financial advantages to being an individual investor in the space. And, and that's what we want to unlock. There's historically only been a select few people that are taking advantage of these tax reliefs. It's generally only been the high net worth individuals because they've been able to invest into funds. And that's what we want to open up. We want to open up not just funds, but the the investment patterns of high net worth individuals um, to, to more investors. Got it. And Rob, you, you've tied up with uh, funds like Antler, Triple Point, Nasession, and others. You know, how, how do you how do you look at deciding? You know, how do you which fund do you need to partner uh, when it comes to you know for them to onboard them on onto your platform? So what we really didn't want to do when we were doing this is to be a, a fund supermarket. We didn't want to have all the funds in the world on there. We wanted to have just a, a select few so that we didn't overwhelm the the investor with choice and within that select view we're trying to we're trying to get some diverse so some diversity so we've got triple point which is b2b b2b stats and slightly later stage than for example ascension which is the the um just recently won the best seed fund in the uk um early stage and generalist and then you've got pembroke which is which will be coming back online in september october which is a which is a consumer fund they back the likes of Five Guys and Plenish and Pastor Evangelist. Um, and then Antler is super early stage um, and you get SEIS relief with that, which is slightly more generous than EIS relief. And so number, number one is diverse, um, diversity within our fund range. And then also we're looking, for, um, we're looking for a strong track record. We're looking for a strong management team and we're looking for, we, we, we're analyzing their investment thesis to to make sure that it it, it make, make sure that we think it will return well for for our investors obviously there's there's always risk with 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 venture capital investing but we want to make sure we've selected the best funds that are available um at, to present to our potential investors mailman is a email assistant that shields you from unimportant emails minimizing interruptions and making your days calmer and more productive you can visit mailmanhq.com and use the code lsm uh, which gives you the benefit of 15% off for the first year on the annual plan uh, which already has 20% discounted compared to the monthly plan so you can visit mailmanhq.com and use the code lsm correct and you know especially for those who want to get into angel investing uh, how should they think about you know portfolio construction uh, you know you you invest into into startups but uh, should they should they uh, have a broad outlook of you know investing into into startups which are uh, which are uh, in early stage and have uh, and and are not a sector stage agnostic or should they focus on a specific sector and double down on that for angel investing what so investing in individual companies uh, yes that's right so angel investing is really hard so you need to have a really good deal flow and you need to have um you need to have a good insight in the market and um, you need to have your, I think just like a fund, you need to have your thesis on what the future is going to look like. And so I would say like, it, it completely depends circumstance to circumstance. But if I, if I was in, if I was investing as an angel, then 
I'd only go for areas that I had a uh, that, that I could outperform areas where I had a um, specific insight and um, areas that where areas in which I'm really connected within a um, within the network and so likely that would tend to be tend to end up being one one style because like that that's the only way that you can you can outperform a fund because the funds are working day in day out to to source deals they're um, working hard on due diligence and they're getting sent so many more deals than than, the, than an angel investor would like your average angel investor that's um, just with no network and just trying to trying to get out there is generally just going to be sent scraps but there are there are good angel investors that have just got real strong um, real strong networks real strong deal flow and um, yeah they've, they've got a proper insight on what the future is going to look like in that space got it and uh, especially when it, when it comes to you know, you know markets you know how uh, you know what, what are your thoughts and you know uh, uh, should uh, should an angel investor you know uh, look into into how big the market is uh, because initially you know the market uh, the size of the market may be small but over the years you know it will become bigger like for example uh, you know salesforce when it started off was had had a small market but over the years it did become bigger so how how does a investor assess you know how big is the market going to be uh, like there the new markets coming up uh, like especially in the web3 and the ai but how how do you how do you judge you know how the market is going to be uh, in the next couple of years yeah that's tricky i mean like there's so many dynamics at play because you get if you're investing and you look at a deck and the the deck's always going to have a humongous humongous tam sam som um and yeah like the that the actual real the real tam is going to is going to be quite fluid it's going to change it's going to change with market conditions like i i think for for web3 crypto startups as you as you mentioned like their their tam's going to massively shrunk over the last um over the last few months um but yeah um i i think that if i'm if i if i'm investing then yeah you've got to you've got to anticipate some growth but you've got to take a view on the future and you've got to build your model out based on that mm. got it and especially for retail investors you know uh, how much of their uh, you know portfolio should be into into risky investments especially uh, into startups and you know crypto which is also also risky what what uh, you know percentage of the portfolio would you recommend them to uh, to put aside for for these risky bits i mean i i i i have absolutely zero in crypto and i never intend to have any in crypto until i see an actual use case the natural value being value coming from it um but i would i, I it's, it's it's also hard to kind of give advice on this our compliance our compliance company would uh, would have a field day if i was but it, there's there's like just two just two data points that um that i'd mentioned that the fca recommend that in um, that restricted investors so this wouldn't count sophisticated high net worth restricted investors don't put any more than 10% of their net assets into um into alternatives and if you look at if you actually look at the stats um that like obviously if it d- depends on it depends based on different investors and um, investment horizons but the likes of the Harvard endowment would be putting up to 50% of their 
and investments into into alternatives. I very much subscribe to the um, to the black swan investing um, theory of you know the vast majority of your portfolio being in being in something steady, and then you have your small portion of your portfolio that is in something that is able to able to rapidly out outperform and out achieve everything else, and that does seem like a that does seem like a solid solid way to invest it's proven out historically but um that's just uh that's just my thoughts and definitely not advice yeah no i, I totally agree to the black swan strategy of you know uh putting 90% into say bonds and 10% into alternative assets but uh, but you know it looks like you know there's there's a uh, there's a recession in, in the market and you know uh, how how do you analyze the current state of the of the venture market especially uh, where you know a lot of investors are uh, backing out of of the public market and the private market, uh, what what would be your advice on uh, where, where do you see the current you know state of the of the venture market going from there? Well, I think it it depends when the it depends when the funds investing. Like, I'm very glad that I didn't invest in any funds that were investing at the top of the market. But if I was in, yeah, I've, I've recently put money into into some VC funds on further because. I believe that now's a now's a good time to invest. You you want to invest when other people are taking their other people are taking taking the money off the table because yeah, it's uh, the valuations are down. You've seen Klarna's valuations being reduced by what seventy five percent, and that's happening across the board. And and so yeah, if, if now's the time to to invest in in startups at lower valuations, and that and that's absolutely great. And so yeah, I I think that that. That's an aspect that should be that people should bear in mind. But like, it's not just about like with the stage that we're talking about. It's not just about what's going on in the public markets because there's there is actually a very limited correlation between the public public markets and early stage startups. Early stage startups because the return potential is so far in the future. It's not so it's not so linked to um, it's not so linked to what's going going on right now in the in the public markets. Like those, these companies aren't going to be going public for five years plus, and so the actual specific dynamics right now don't really matter so much. Got interesting, and uh, you know, you you built a uh, uh, main stage, and now now you're building further. Um, how do you, how do you look at uh, you know hiring, and how do you how do you ensure that you know you have the right uh, sort quality of talent which is joining you and helping you grow the company? So yeah, I mean it's an, another benefit of the the quieter market right now. Like when when so much VC money is going into so many startups, it's really hard to get talent. And um, we, uh, we we did see that we did see it was getting really really tight around Q four twenty one Q one twenty two and and obviously starting to starting to loosen up now um but yeah i think that talent's important um and it's it, it has been tough but it should it does seem to be getting a bit better now we've just got a couple of um cu- couple of jobs we're hiring for um and i think that being remote first is really crucial as well like our, um, our new head of marketing jamie's just joined us from just joined us from glasgow my co-founder seb is currently 
living in Colombia and I'm going to spend the winter in South Africa. And that, that ability to be remote enables us to just hire from, hire from around the country and around the world, which really puts us at, at, at a strong advantage. So, yeah, I think overall, on the whole, I'm definitely, definitely positive about, about, about hiring in the future. Do I have an interesting stat for you? Did you note that the founder of Beautiful Lives increased the social media presence by 10x? They managed to publish consistently and effortlessly using a robust social media management tool called Social Pilot. Social Pilot is a cost effective social media tool that helps businesses scale their social media marketing efforts. Use lifestylemastery.com slash social pilot to get a 14 day free trial. Got it. And, and especially, you know, when you're looking at building a company, how, how do you decide, you know, uh, how, how to hire someone external versus, you know, promoting an internal tra- talent inside the company? Yes, good question. I was, when, I, when I left Mainstage, the, the person that filled my shoes was my previous number two there. And that kind of, that kind of role really does help. Um, like the, the fact of having, having the experience and seeing the business from within, and he's done a, he's done a great job on the back of that. Um, but but yeah, like I think it just it just depends on the on the individual circumstance really. Like you, if you have got if you have got that talent within, and if you have been able to train those individuals up, then then great. It, you do have massive advantages from that. But yeah, there's a, there's always the there's always benefits from hiring externally as well because you've got the ideas that have come from another company. Like especially when you're especially when you're a small company. Um, so I, my my background is small company B two C, and Jamie's Jamie who's just joined us has come over from come over from Barclays, and so we've got a real meeting of the minds from um, from marketing to from marketing in two completely different spaces, and we're able to take the to take the best of both worlds um, when we when we bring forward what we assess to be best for for marketing further. So yeah. I mean, probably not. Probably not too much of a conclusive answer, but I think that there's a there's there's benefits of both. But yeah, if you if you can you, you can bring that talent through, up up through the company internally, then there's um there's real positives for you. Got it. And you know, how, uh, especially when it comes to talent, how do you, how do you approach giving feedback today? Uh, and you know, has it changed over the years since since you've you know built the companies over the years? Um. Yeah, it's an interesting question. So, I think what how we've always tried to do the companies is so that so so feedback is is often and feedback is um, feedback is blunt, very much in the way of um, Ray Dalio's principle of idea meritocracy and um, radical radical transparency to. To, to real, really foster that feedback from around the organization. And so, yeah, I think it's, it's something that we've, we've, tried to, we've tried to build in. We've tried to build in across the board at, at all the different companies that, that we've been building. Um, but yeah, I still do find it tough. Like some, when, you have to, when, you have to be, when you have to say, uh, give, give people tough, tough feedback on how you think they've done or whatever, then it is always... They're always tricky conversations, and I uh, they, they, uh, they always do horrify me having those conversations. I don't know if you've had any any similar experiences, but it's it's never nice giving that bad feedback, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I always struggle to give you know feedback, and that's that's some 
one aspect of it you know i'm always trying to change uh but but yeah good to good to understand about you know how to how to give the feedback to to your employees and to your peers and especially you know i wanted to understand how do you how do you decide uh, what to focus on on your day to day basis because uh, you know as a founder there are a lot of things going on but uh, but do you have a schedule like a maker schedule or like a manager schedule how do you how do you, how do you schedule your days god yeah um it's there's a there's, uh, there's always lots to do there's always too much to do but yeah i know um it's just um you just got to optimize haven't you you got to see what what the most important things are and then and then get through those like yeah it's been, it's been um it's been been quite chaotic as we've been as we've been launching because we've had to yeah get get marketing live but also the the sites had to be um had to be changed in a number of ways with all the different things that we've learned from our from our initial investors we're also turning the site into a saas tool that third party funds can use to manage all of their investors so we've got a lot of lot of work to do on that side and the developers have to be managed and that that's it's under me Jamie's just come on board as a as a as a new hire we've got um yeah all all sorts of different opportunities and initiatives and so yeah there's a there's all there's always a full day and um yeah it's just about sitting down i guess i guess what i do is i sit down and uh in the morning and work out what the what the what the what the, what the top things i I could do with my time and and I attack those but yeah it's a lot of late nights generally um gen- generally does solve the um does solve the problem of too many tasks yeah no absolutely i think uh, it's always difficult to become to be a founder hats off to uh, the the resilience of the founders who are, you know willing to uh, you know go, go really long nights and you know how how do you focus on mental health uh, especially because you know it's all consuming and you know you're launching a startup uh, are, are there anything Uh, you'd want to share with listeners who are trying to build something on how to how to tackle mental and physical health um yeah i think i think uh it's tough because it's it's individual isn't it but i think having those having those breaks and having that kind of just complete respite from from your work as you see fit is um is really important like you can't just work 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 all day long and all, and all seven days long you have to have you have to give your you have to give your brain a you have to give your brain a break um and you have to remind yourself quite quite often like what it is you're working for like why you why are you doing those things like why are you working away on um on on google marketing on on seo or whatever to all, all week long just to um just to get yourself a A, a few more visits to the website and you're doing it because of the bigger picture and and reminding yourself of that bigger picture on a regular basis does does help so so yeah breaks and that help on the on the mental health side physical health super important i think and um, yeah weight training is really solid for for resilience and um and cardio training is just really good for your, for your um for your general physical health and i think trying to fit those into your schedule where possible is um really important and yeah like as much as as much as late nights and etc are glamorized a bit there's a time and a place that we're doing it now because it's around launch time but we, we're not going to do that 365 days a year you need to you need to you know 
work smart and not just be a busy fool. Like there's a, um, there's pl- plenty of stories of people that are just there, sat at their desk and not really actually being productive, but just um, feel that they feeling that they need to, to work to, to be a founder. Um, but, but yeah, if you actually break it down to first principles and break down what you actually need to do, then uh, the outcome and the amount that you actually work might be, might be slightly different to that. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think I think exercise and weightlifting and cardio, as you mentioned, it's something so critical even for uh, for, for employees as well as for founders. And uh, and Rob, I quickly want to do the top three. What's your favorite business book? Favorite business book. So yeah, that Ray Dalio principles is is solid. Um, and there's another book which is called Power of High Engagement, and that really um, that really addresses your questions about mental health and physical health and it just it it just shows you how you can get the get the most out of yourself, and it does it in a way where it's not you just working your working yourself ragged. It's it's about keeping yourself refreshed in all different aspects of your life, so that you can so that you can be a high productivity machine. Um, and so, yeah, I'd I'd, uh, I'd fully recommend yeah that power of high engagement. Got it. We'll put that in the show notes. And you know, if you could go back in time when you started further. Uh, what is the one thing you would have focused on or done anything differently? You know what? I would have, I probably would have, um, I would have done it earlier and I would have done it with more overlap with what I was doing, with what I was doing previously because starting a business, there's so much, there's so much waiting time. Yeah. Like, so anyone that's out there that's, that's looking to start a business, I'd say to, I'd say to just get started now, do it, do it in your evenings because, yeah. you know, you, you're going to be you're going to be waiting for third parties to respond. You're going to be waiting for applications to go through, and you might as well do that while while you've got a while you've got a day job, because otherwise you are just going to you're just going to be sat there with nothing to do and and waiting and and um, burning down your limited resources in that time. So so yeah, I I'd recommend um, yeah I'd recommend doing it on the side to start with. Yeah, no, I, I I completely agree on that. And what's your favorite online tool, for example, Gmail, Slack, Zoom? Um, Notion, Notion. I absolutely, I'm in, I'm in love with it. It's um, yeah, that's that's where we put manage everything for the company. And so yeah, I I think uh, I, I think we'd struggle without that. Got it. Yeah, no, no Notion is also one of my favorite tools. Uh, Rob, what is the best way people can reach out to you and know more about further? Yeah, so head over to joinfurther.com um, to have a look at all the venture capital funds that you can invest in. Um, and to reach out to me, just find me on find me on LinkedIn. I'm Rob Tomini. And um, yeah, been uh, been great to chat right here and uh, really appreciate really appreciate the really appreciate the call. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, thanks so much for taking our time. Nice one. Thanks for listening to the Life Self Mastery Podcast, where we teach you how to start and grow your online business. For more information, visit Rohit's blog at www.lifeselfmastery.com.